Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. When women lead, share performance and profits go up 50%. Results are more powerful when everyone is empowered. This is the insight that brought the four founders of Beyond Barriers together. We came from a diverse set of leadership backgrounds with a common goal to close the gender gap at work and expand economic opportunities for everyone. Tune in each week as one of us interviews inspiring guests who share stories and cutting edge strategies that will help you learn what helped them go further faster. Hi, I'm Monica, your host for today's episode. Join us as Lisa Donahue, co-head of the Americas and Asia regions at Alex Partners, shares her inspiring journey of overcoming fear and self-doubt to achieve success. From her first day as CEO to her current role, Lisa reveals the importance of nurturing relationships, seeking support, and embracing the learning process. Discover how she tackles challenges, raises new perspectives, and embraces the power of course correction. In this candid conversation, Lisa emphasizes the value of asking questions, learning from failure, and accepting that we'll always have critics. Plus, get a glimpse into her personal life as she opens up about her Irish Catholic's family's influence and the importance of being present for loved ones. Tune in to this empowering episode and learn to conquer your own crisis of confidence. Visit GoBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode including the best way to get in touch with Lisa. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond Barriers podcast. We are thrilled to have you here. Um, you and I have been chatting a little bit before we we actually clicked record, so I can't wait for our audience to hear about your journey and your story. So um, without further ado, let's dive right in and let's talk a little bit about your story and what you learned along the way. And, you know, any any kind of key lessons on where you find yourself now in such a senior, you know, senior leadership role, but I don't want to spill the beans for you. So um, I'll <laughs> hand it over to you. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to be here. And I, I enjoyed our, our pre-conversation as well. You know, when I was I was prepping for this and, and you'd asked me to, to think about a, a story, a key story. And, uh-huh. you know, as soon as someone asks you to think about a key story, then you have a hard time coming up with one. But um, one, one of the things that, that resonates with me a lot, and, and now that I'm considered a, a bit of a more senior woman versus someone just starting out and thinking about where my career goes, mm-hmm. Is you know when I when I meet and talk with folks, for whatever reason, and I remember thinking this too when I when I was young. When you meet these more established people, you think that they've always been that way. Yes. You think that these people always had it figured out, and they look like they're so together. So my God, how do I ever get to that point where where this person is? Because clearly they came out of the wound, you know, perfectly formed and knew exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I'll explain to them is, look at, we, we all are a little clueless when we're trying to navigate our career. Yes. And we all continue to need help and guidance and assistance. It just may be a little bit different. And I remember when I got my first CEO role. Mm. And um, it was a company called New World Pasta, and it was a global uh, food manufacturing mm-hmm. New World Pasta. It was, it was yeah. pasta. and it was the combination of the Borden Pasta Company and the Hershey Pasta Company, and they mm-hmm. chose me to be CEO. And I got there my first day, and I drove because I lived in New York, and the company was in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And when I got into the parking lot for my very first day. I I was frozen with fear. Mm. I literally could not get out of the car. Uh 
and worse than not being able to get out of the car, I didn't really know what to do. So what I did is I called one of my senior partners, a guy by the name of Al Koch, who at one point ran the firm. And I was like hiding under the dashboard. Hiding <laughs> under the dashboard. I can imagine, yeah. I can and I'm it. on my cell phone. I'm like, Al, Al. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't go in. I, why did they pick me? I, I, you know, the old imposter syndrome. And yes. I was completely frozen and had a, a major crisis of confidence. Mm-hmm. And Al Koch talked me in. He reminded me of why they picked me, why I was good, why I could do it. Mm-hmm. And he reminded me that the toughest part of my day was really going to be taking that step in that door and just recognizing that I had a right to be there, that I could do this. I was mm-hmm. the best person for the job. So my point to folks is, and that was probably only about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was well into partner. I had done lots and lots of different roles. Mm-hmm. My, my point is, you're always going to find a point where you need some support from somebody, no matter mm-hmm. how senior you are, no matter how much you think you've got it figured out. You may just need somebody to help, help remind you of what you can do and, and how you can do it. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I think about all the time and still do reach out to folks for different things because the truth is nobody knows everything. Nobody has everything figured out and being confident enough and comfortable enough to be able to say, Hey, you know what? I I need a little help here. I need someone to either be my thought partner or, you know, bring me back to reality or help me get out of the car. Yes. I love that. Such a beautiful story. And thank you for sharing and being so vulnerable. I think You know, people forget. And I think it resonated so much with me where you see some people and you're like, wow, they're so put together. Like they just, you know, they were like, they got blessed with the like, you know, perfect stick or something. And and you realize that, no, we all go through these moments. One of the key things you mentioned, though, was the power of community and having a network of people that you could tap into, whether it was a sounding board or a cheerleader or a truth teller or someone giving you that pep talk. Can, you know, I want to jump a little bit to talk about the power of community, right? And how, you know, how did you build those like strategic, powerful relationships? Um, and, you know, how do you maintain them? Because I think the important thing you said that people always forget is that we sometimes get to a point in our career where we're like, okay, we're seasoned. Now we become the mentor, but we forget to continue to be men- mentored ourselves, right? Right. And so, how do you how do you keep that up for yourself? How do you make sure that you're getting that right sounding board and those people? How do you leverage those relationships? Well, first off, I think as humans, yes. we have to recognize that um, we need other human contact and and we need each other mm-hmm. and. One of the things that's always interesting to me is on every matter, every assignment, every case that I work on, mm-hmm. I'm learning something from somebody, whether they're, um, you know, someone young who happens to be a crypto expert, which mm-hmm. most of them are young, by the way, the crypto <laughs> experts, <laughs> yes. and or somebody that has a particular discipline in the plant or somebody that you know, when I did Westinghouse with a nuclear expert mm-hmm. and, and cultivating those relationships and having a balanced relationship and that we're learning from each other and supporting each other mm-hmm. is super, super important. As far as keeping the network alive, mm-hmm. um, 
it's it's being for me it's it's being authentic it's being mm. there for them recognizing that relationships are two-way streets mm-hmm. and sometimes someone needs something from you mm-hmm. um and sometimes you need something from them right and keeping up the honest authentic conversation on how you can be helpful helping them with what they need and then in turn reaching out when you know you need support or you need someone to help you think through things and you know it's part of what I think about as part of my job is making sure that I'm thinking about how to keep you know my network fresh and Mm -hmm. it's not just for business development purposes it's for you know brand awareness for the firm it's Mm -hmm. for um you know, often I'll reach out on behalf of somebody else and nice. say, you know, I've got this great person. In fact, I just had a mentoring call before this call and mm-hmm. I was speaking with this woman and helping her think through, you know, she's got a, she's got a new baby at home, helping mm-hmm. her think through how to keep her network fresh while also balancing out being a new mom. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was telling her sometimes what I'll do is just see an article and it will, will remind me of someone and just mm-hmm. pop it over and say, this, this reminds me so much of you. Let's catch up soon. Or, you know, during COVID, I remember doing, you know, dog walking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even have a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Walks with folks in, in uh-huh. the neighborhood in Central Park to just keep the connectivity up because mm-hmm. there were very few things you could do from a networking perspective during COVID. Mm-hmm. But that was one of them. You could be outside. So we would have groups of, you know, five or six of us just walking around Central Park with mm-hmm somebody's dog and um, (laughs) so I I think being creative I think recognizing that it's a give-take relationship I think recognizing that you know introducing people and and helping people out kind of paying it forward type of Mm -hmm. thing is is super important and people appreciate it people appreciate you being there and thoughtful for them and then they're going to equally be there and thoughtful for you I love what you just said. It is this idea of reciprocity, right? And and like you said, always thinking about how can you help them as well. Um, can we talk a little bit about, and I don't know if you've ever experienced it or seen maybe some of your mentees experience it where, you know, when we're talking to a lot of women who are, who go through our program at Beyond Bears, when we talk about the whole reciprocity and giving back, they can sometimes over index on the giving back and they constantly give, 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 but then they don't get or take or ask for themselves because they're afraid to ask for what they need. Can you talk a little bit about that of like, how do you ask for what you need um, without feeling like it's a burden on somebody else? I think that's one of the universal female problems, honestly. Yes. Um, that along with being afraid to raise your hand in a room and, and mm-hmm. come out with an opinion, whereas a man is so quick to just come right out with it. And <laughs> yes. It just, doesn't matter if they're right or wrong. They just have the need to speak. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I think it's it's a bit of a learned behavior for mm. women. Mm-hmm. And I think and I agree with you. I, I do see um women much more indexing on the giving piece and Mm -hmm. being much more hesitant on the, on the asking piece. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. I do think that it's, it's a balance. And I think it's important to recognize that, you know, as a woman, they're getting asked things all the time. Mm -hmm. So you're not unique. You're not a burden. It's a balanced relationship. And I think recognizing that you're, you're giving them something too. It's mm-hmm. not 
it's not take, 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 or give, give, give. It's, it's a balanced kind of thing. And I, and I right. think similar to my story about, you know, taking the first step and walking out, mm-hmm. you, you have to just make the phone call. Mm. Make the phone call, yes. make the ask. And sometimes what I'll counsel is, you know, try with someone who's easy. Um, yeah. Try with someone who you're super close with, has an easy personality, and the ask is not that complicated or difficult. Mm-hmm. But, but taking the first step and, and having that first phone call makes the second one a lot, a lot easier. Yes. And, you know, that's the advice that, that I give when people are thinking about how to build out their network mm-hmm. and afraid to, you know, pick up the phone and call someone and ask them to lunch or ask them to breakfast. Mm-hmm. I'll counsel, I'll say, you know what, pick X, Y, Z. Always take a lunch. He's an easy crowd and, and practice on him. Don't tell him you're practicing on him, but practice yes. on him. Yes, absolutely. And, yeah. And, and, and try it that way. Mm-hmm. And you'll see that little by little, you know, people want to have lunch with you. You are interesting. You do have something to contribute and, and being part of your network is important to people as well. I think sometimes women undervalue their own um, contribution to the network relationship. And Mm -hmm. I think it's important to really take stock of it and understand that, you know, I, I belong as part of this network and I can be a contributor and people can contribute to me. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's the way it works. I love that. And I love what you said, you know, just taking stock of your value. What is your unique value proposition? And you do have a lot to give and a lot to add. Um, And it's important to, um, to, to have that understanding and that courage to say, okay, I know my value and here's how I'm going to be valuable. And like you said, taking that step and practicing and, and putting it out there. You mentioned something about, you know, um, you know, women also being afraid to kind of raise their hand, speak up or share their perspective. And you and I both know how important it is to have a perspective. Um, can we talk a little bit about like, you know, in those moments where sometimes we have that doubt in our head of like, will my perspective matter or will it be smart enough? Um, and like you said, men sometimes will just say something, whether they're right or they're wrong. Did you, you know, how did you get over that? Or how do you coach younger women to kind of just put their perspective out there um, so that they can feel like they're adding value as well? I've always approached it thinking about myself as not you un- not uniquely a woman when I when yes. I enter the room. And the truth is that everybody is multifaceted. You know, I'm I'm a mom, I'm a sister, I'm a daughter, I'm a mm-hmm. skier, I'm a reader, I'm I'm a lot of different things, and a woman is just one of them. Mm. So that helped me think about not being so caught up in my own head that I might be the only woman in the room because often mm. I am the only woman. Yes, in the yes. And once you kind of take that off the table for yourself mm-hmm. and think about the matters at hand and think about, again, back to the, I have a right to be here. Mm-hmm. I am talented. And sometimes it's a little bit in your own head talk track. Mm-hmm. It's a raise your hand and, and get your opinion heard. And it, I think I've approached things a lot like working sessions instead yes. of having mm-hmm. to have the answer. You can have a perspective that raises questions. Mm, you don't yes. necessarily have to have the answer. And if you think about it that way, and the adage of no question is stupid. Right. 
you find it's easier to contribute to the conversation mm. because it's a working session. Yes. We're all trying to get to the same resolution. We're trying to get to the answer. And by raising up a question or a different perspective or a different angle for people to think about, it shows that you're thoughtful, that you're in the dialogue, mm-hmm. and that you've got experience. It doesn't have to be right. It just mm-hmm. has to be topical. And I think that helps to start thinking about how can I contribute to the conversation without necessarily having to have the perfect answer. That is fantastic because I do think that there's that, that whatever it is in our brains that we have to have the answer and it's not the answer. It's asking better questions, right? Right. And asking better questions shows that curiosity and that curiosity leads to better solutions. And so I loved how you framed it of that, you know, there's no question that's a stupid question because it just leads to better conversation, right? And better problem solving. Um, And I love that. It's just like, you know, the, the bringing that perspective can be either a point or a clarification or even a question that really adds value. Um, I think that's powerful. I love what you said of just they being working sessions. Um, right. I think for me, that resonated of like, okay, there's still moments in my career where it's just like, I think I need to know the answer. Um, but really, just ask the question that's in my brain. And it's actually going to probably help take the conversation forward. I love it. it. And it helps refine the answer as well. Because chances are, you're bringing a perspective that the other nine men in the room may not have thought of. Mm -hmm. And it, it comes from, in my view, it results in a better solution. Mm -hmm. Because there's there's a richer dialogue, there's more conversation, again, there's an angle or a perspective mm-hmm. that hadn't been considered until you brought up your point. Yes, I love that. And a lot of the times it's because you've you've been exposed, like there's just a different frame of reference that you experience as things that you've brought along. And let's talk about that a little bit because, you know, when we think about, um, you know, our frames of reference, we all have different experiences that we bring. And you touched a little bit about uh, around kind of the intersectionality of, you know, you're a mom, you're a skier, you're a reader, you're this or you're that. But you've also had experiences in lots of different, you know, whether it's industries or organizations, different types of, you know, um, you know, product that you're looking at. Can you talk a little bit about how you became a better learner? How did you kind of get up to speed or how did you kind of change lanes and then realize, okay, I have a lot of learning to do. How do I close that gap quicker? What are some habits or some things that you do so that you can kind of learn really quickly and get up to speed? You may not like become the expert, but you know enough. Yeah. I, I Part of what's important when you move into interim roles or you go from company to company as a trusted advisor, almost regardless of the role that you're in. Mm -hmm. It's super important to be able to understand the challenges that they're facing, the concerns that they have, the decisions that they're thinking about. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, an awful lot of it is listening Mm. and asking probing questions, But, but probing questions that are designed to elicit um, a deeper response instead of just a yes, no. Right. And that's usually the first, you know, couple of days is really just recognizing I'm here to learn. Yes, I bring my experience, but I'm not going to have any predetermined answers until 
until I start trying to figure things out. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's probably the biggest piece Mm -hmm. is listening and seeking out different folks around the organization, depending on what it is we're hired to do. I'm hired to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, don't be afraid to ask questions. I think it, it goes back to being a little bit assertive from a, a dialogue perspective, asking the probing questions, mm-hmm. throwing out a hypothesis, being prepared to maybe be wrong. And that's okay. Cause it's, mm-hmm. it's not about always being right. I mean, the, right. the truth is you learn a lot more from being wrong. It's mm-hmm. you may not like it, but you do, you learn a lot more from being wrong. It's about how you course correct. It's about how you take the information you process it and you think, okay, ha, huh, I may have thought mm-hmm. this, I may have thought I was going to A, but it looks like I have to go to C first and, and right. just be flexible and open and, um, you know, prepared mm-hmm. to be wrong because, mm. you know, we're wrong a lot. Yes. And that is a really important point of getting rid of that fear of being wrong. Um, you know, I think a lot of the times we will hesitate or we will um, ruminate in this idea that I'm going to be wrong. It's going to be a career limiting, you know, f- blunder. Um, how did you like, how do you encourage people to, you know, not fear this idea of being wrong or failure? And how do you kind of, you know, how do you shift your mindset or what is your perspective on this idea of failure? Well, look, failure is tough for everybody. Nobody, nobody wants to fail. Nobody wants to be embarrassed. Nobody wants to be wrong. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I have a, a situation where I was working with this one company. It was a public company. Mm-hmm. And um, somehow, um, nothing, nothing that was material, non-public information, but mm-hmm. the notion that we were working with them got out into the media. Mm. And the CFO went nuts on one of my colleagues mm-hmm. and he, you know, he was upset and I called the CFO and I just said, look, it, it was me. I'm sorry. I, I made the mistake. I, mm-hmm. um, I don't remember exactly how it got out. It wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't an intentional thing. It was, um, I, I forget exactly what yeah, it was. It happens though, right? It's yeah, it like, does it happen. And I don't remember how it happened. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what I said to him is I said, listen, I'm, I'm going to call him and I'm just going to tell him. And I'm going to tell him that I did it and to stop yelling at you and we'll, we'll just move on from there. And the CFO was so disarmed by me just calling him up and saying, listen, it, it was not Michael's fault. It was me. I um, should have been more careful with X, Y, Z, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm sorry. It, it was me. Mm-hmm. And he just paused and he didn't really know what to do because I was being so open and apologetic mm-hmm. that he just said, you know what? It's not that big a deal. It's okay. And I remember I called Michael afterwards and he was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> he, he just yelled at me. And I said, honestly, I think it's because I called him up and just took responsibility and the accountability. Yes. told him that mm-hmm. it wasn't you told him that it was me. Mm-hmm. And I think he was just so surprised somebody taking responsibility instead of everyone cowering and no one admitting what the mm-hmm. mistake was that he he was a little astounded. And then he realized, OK, maybe I'm overreacting a bit. Mm-hmm. And and I think my my point is you're going to make mistakes. It, yes, it's, it's human. You're going to make mistakes. 
just own up to them, admit them, and move on. And most of the time, folks appreciate the honesty and, and the openness because mm-hmm. as much as they say they expect perfection, nobody really does. Right. Everybody understands that, that we're human and mm-hmm. you make the best decisions that you can with the information that you mm-hmm. have. And just being, being open, mm-hmm. um, honest, and prepared to fix it mm-hmm. is, is my best advice on that. Mm, I love that. What if you knew exactly where to focus to go further, faster? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers and the ability to take action and gain unstoppable momentum to deliver results and advance. Take the Beyond Barriers Momentum Metric Quiz to get a personalized report on the five C's, core categories used to measure and accelerate success. Visit gobeyondbarriers.com slash quiz to get your report today. I wanted, you just mentioned about decisions, right? And one of the things that, you know, just in my years of working in talent management and performance reviews, a lot of the things that women sometimes would get dinged on was that, um, you know, they would get pushback is that they did, they weren't great decision makers, or they wouldn't make decisions in, you know, a right amount of time, or they were too risk averse. Can you talk a little bit about because you're in very senior roles, right? CEOs have to make really tough decisions. And when making difficult decisions or taking a risk, um, when you decide you divide, right, you're going to have the the people who are supportive, people who are not supportive. What are some of the techniques that you use to make those decisions and even be able to move forward with confidence, even with even in the uncertainty? Yeah, and I, that's, that's such a great question because so many times you're in a situation, I'm in a situation where you have to make an unpopular decision and you know it's the right decision and mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's going to get criticized or attacked one way or another because mm-hmm. somebody's perspective will be different and it might be somebody with a pretty loud megaphone. Mm-hmm. So... For me, it's always about a couple of things. Number one, kind of a moral compass on mm. bearing in mind the reasons why you're doing what you're doing and they're the right choice. Right. Number two, when you're making your decision, do it with the best information that you possibly have. Now, as I mentioned before, you never have perfect information. Mm-hmm. And that may be where some people hesitate to actually make a decision because you're waiting for that perfect bit of data that's going to be so crystal clear to you Mm -hmm. that's going to say yes no black white Mm -hmm. it doesn't work that way you have to go with your gut you have to go with your intuition and you have to go with what you know is right Mm -hmm. and recognize when and if you get attacked and you probably will i'm Mm -hmm. just thinking about you know different situations that i've been in you have to pick the battles you have to pick um pick the decisions and, and pick the um, the defending that, right. that you're going to do. Because when, you, when you're doing a turnaround or you're transforming a company, mm-hmm. some of your decisions are, are maybe controversial. Um, mm-hmm. Again, you know, it's the right thing. It's the right thing for the company. It's the right thing for the situation. But there's somebody there who is in disagreement or isn't right. supportive of what you're trying to do. So be as open and as honest as you can. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a public company. You have to be a little bit careful about disclosure, yeah. um, but be as transparent as you can and, you know, continue on the side of doing the right thing. Mm. And 
you know, again, select how, how you're going to be responsive to some criticism, some, you have to have a conversation, you have to have maybe a media interview, you have to handle it. Mm-hmm. Others, you can't get distracted by it, you have to continue, you know, down your path. Mm. I love that answer. And I love what you said of, of being um, prepared for the naysayers, right, or getting, you know, prepared for someone pushing back. Um, one of the things that, that comes up a lot um, with individuals that we've coached, individuals that we, you know, have in our program is the, the emotional or the likability thing. Well, if I say the wrong thing or pick the wrong thing or make the wrong decision, they're not going to like me. And like you said, that's good. Like you, you have to like go with the gut, with the moral, what's the right thing to do. But sometimes the right thing to do means that a lot of people aren't going to like you. How do you deal with this whole likability thing? Or do you just kind of like push that um, and say like, you know, it's just, I don't even let it bother me. Well, look, I, I think everyone wants to be liked, right? Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know where it falls in the hierarchy of needs, but it's right. certainly in there. It's very high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I, uh, what makes it a little bit easier for me, and I go mm-hmm. back to the moral compass and doing what's right. Mm-hmm. And I think about a lot of the folks that end up criticizing mm-hmm. uh, don't really have the information. They don't, mm. they don't know yes. the situation. They don't have the same um, perspective that you do. Mm-hmm. They only see the result. They don't understand the journey to get there. They don't understand why the decisions were made. Right. It comes back to trying to be as open and transparent as you possibly can be. Mm-hmm. And then recognize that no matter what you do, there are going to be people that disagree. Right. It, it, it almost doesn't matter what right. what the mm-hmm. um what the action is there's always mm-hmm. going to be somebody who's fully prepared right um to be to be critical to you know challenge challenge what you're doing mm-hmm. so knowing that you're doing the best thing for the situation knowing that you're acting from a position where you've got better information than mm-hmm. others is what helps me make the decision and at the end of the day everybody's just not going to like you. Right. Now, I love that. And I think it's so important to share that because I think it's something that is always kind of, you know, it causes people to be hesitant and not making the decision. And at the end of the day, not making a decision sooner rather than later can also be detrimental, right? And it, and if it's really based on the whole emotional thing, then, you know, things are just going to unravel and spiral downwards. Um, so being able to really being able to t- kind of tap into the, I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do. I have all the information and understanding they just don't have all the information. So rightfully so, they they don't like the answer. Um, and then sometimes just not making a decision is a de facto decision. It is. Yes. I love that so you said that. Yeah. Not making a decision doesn't mean you're not going to get criticized. In fact, yes. then you get criticized for not moving. Exactly. So recognizing that there's nothing that you can do to avoid the criticism. Mm-hmm. It's best to go forward with what you know is the best thing to do. That was phenomenal. I just want to, we'll ask one more question and then we'll go into the lightning round questions. All right. Um, so final, final question. Um, okay. 
So as we're talking about, you know, you have very demanding roles, you have these, you know, senior leadership roles, you're making really tough decisions, you are leveraging, you know, community, all of these things. What is it that helps you stay grounded and really take care of yourself? Because we know that, you know, there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of things. And how do you, what do you practice for yourselves in the, in the terms of wellness and putting the mask on yourself? Yeah, I am. Um... I have an amazing family. Mm-hmm. I have an amazing, I grew up with six brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. um, four sisters, two brothers. So family is super important to me. Mm-hmm. And it always has been. It's a you know, big Irish Catholic family with big holidays, lots of cousins. So <laughs> that, that's kind of one piece of it. Mm-hmm. And then my family that I've built with my husband, I've got, you know, three kids and mm-hmm. they're amazing. They're, they're just wonderful. And what, has always been super important to me when I was juggling, you know, Mm -hmm. motherhood and career and figuring out where to go is that quality over quantity. And Mm. when I'm with my family, I'm with my family. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that there aren't weekends where I have to work or there aren't situations that I get pulled into, Mm -hmm. but I'm present. So that's kind of one thing that is super grounding for me Mm -hmm. because you know, my kids are kids and they, they, they'll they always cause to remind you, you know, if you're acting goofy or you've got an outfit on or, you know, there's nothing like a, a kid or a sibling to like shoot you right back down to earth. If you're they're such truth tellers. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. Um, the other thing that I focused on and, and I was pretty good about it, but COVID actually helped me be a bit better is, um, you know, that kind of schedule flexibility got me more into working out. I was playing tennis, you know, three, mm-hmm. four, five times a week at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being being healthy and being good to yourself in that way, just for me, helps me start mm-hmm. my day right. It, I feel so much better when I do something in the morning and then get into the office. It's almost as if there's very little that can knock you off your game when you're right. strong and, you know, healthy. So that's something that I prioritized, you know, within the last five years. I was always mm-hmm. kind of healthy, but now I'm much more diligent about mm-hmm. making sure I'm doing something like that because it's it's mind clearing for me mm-hmm. to kind of help me get a little bit of perspective when you can sometimes, you know, worry and get too myopic on an issue you're dealing with or whatever's happening around you and to you. And then you recognize that very little can happen to you. (laughs) You let these things happen to you. You have to take a little bit more control of of your thoughts and your feelings and and how you're handling things. Mm, I love that. And how you're saying it's clearing in terms of just taking that moment to take a step back and realizing that things aren't happening to you. They're likely happening for you. And how are you going to react, you know, in that, in that manner? So I love that. Well, I mean, I could go, we could go on. I, I just love all of the, all of the, <laughs> the um, Lisa-isms you're sharing with us. Um, <laughs> but we do have to bring this to a close. And it's it brings us to our fun lightning round questions, which I love to ask because I feel like Ooh. sometimes these are so telling. Um, yeah. All right. What, yes. What book has greatly influenced you? I, I'll give you a clue. I have a daughter named Dagny. Uh. <laughs> 
<laughs> so of course that's Atlas Shrugged. Um, yes. You know, it's it, for me and I read it when I was in college. So, you know, 18 or 19 years old mm-hmm. and it was impactful, probably less about the, the objectivism and the socialism element of it, but more for me that it was a strong uh, female heroine who was in the room and making decisions mm, and, and yes. much more than, than a lot of the kind of weak sniveling men <laughs> that, that are portrayed <laughs> around her. It's kind of an interesting thing. Right. And it's such a beautifully written book. Yes. So um, that, that, that's an important book for me. And as, as I mentioned, as a result, I have a daughter named Dagny. <laughs> I love that. That's so phenomenal. I love the story behind it. And we're definitely going to have to put that on our next uh, book club reading list. Just to oh, kind of like, a, a, yeah, to crack it open again is so good. Awesome. What is your favorite inspiring quote or saying? You know, the one that I think about a lot, a lot I've recently found out is misattributed to Gandhi. So, mm-hmm. but, but the one that I think about is, you know, be, be the change you want to see in the world. Mm. And that gets back a little bit in my mind to how so much is within your own control. Yes. So much is you, you can, you can take control of your destiny for the most part Mm -hmm. and things aren't being done to you. They might be around you, but how you perceive them, how you internalize and how you filter and reflect them back is Mm -hmm. for sure within your control. So that's something that I, I think about a lot. And as I said, I, Within the last couple of months, someone told me that it's not Gandhi. And then I looked it up and sure enough, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you love that? It's just like the I power do. of the internet. Yeah. For years and years, I was positive it was him. And then me too. So I now, actually have a plaque that says, be the change you want to be. And it says dash Gandhi. <laughs> well, do a little bit more research. You'll see that they, um, they condensed his thoughts and, and oh, kind okay. of edited him. The power of editing. He got yes, edited. the power of editing. That's right. I love it. Next question. What is one word or moniker that you would use to describe yourself? I'd say optimistic. Optimistic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, which, I, considering yeah. the work I do might be, might be intriguing, but <laughs> I, I tend to be an optimist. I, I tend to see the positive side of things. I tend to believe that things are going to work out. And I tend to believe that, you know, I, I can make them work out in the right way. So yeah, I'd say optimist. Love it. I love it. What is one change, a habit, a behavior, an action that you implemented that made your life better? You know, I, I'd go with the taking the opportunity in co- during COVID to mm-hmm. really focus on health and mental mm-hmm. health and um, taking time for me and my family and really scheduling out um, and, and knowing that I'm, I'm a better professional when I'm grounded and when I work mm. out and when I have time with my family. So that yeah. was something that throughout my career, I may not have been as, as good about that as, as I should have been, but I'm much better about it now. I love it. So the intention kind of went up a notch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. So this is one of my favorites. All right. So Lisa, you're walking out on stage and you're about to address a huge crowd. What is the power song that would be playing as you walked out on that stage? You know, it's funny when I thought about this, when I thought about the song that when like I'm working out and I get a little more bounce in my step. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's that song, um, Aloe Black, The Man. 
Oh, you know yes. That song? yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I love that song. I, I just find it so powerful. I love and it. it. It just demonstrates that there are things worth fighting for and it's uh-huh. kind of an ego boost kind of thing. I love so, yeah. that. Yes. And it's always really good to have that at the end of your workout so that you're like, okay, it's that pep in your step. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. That's going to be an amazing addition to our uh, podcast list, listening list of, of adding <laughs> that song. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, Lisa, thank you so much for for, you know, spending this time with us. I know that our audience are going to really love you, you know, the what you've shared, your stories and whatnot. Um we always get this question and I so I always have to ask it. Um what's the best way for someone to kind of follow you? Are you, you know, active on LinkedIn? People love to make sure that they connect and and whatnot. I'm active on LinkedIn. Um, I do respond to emails as well. And I'm happy to engage and happy to help in any way that I can. Because as you said, at the very beginning, access information um, to help you know, other women and and people of color, this is something that I've been working on my whole career. So mm. I love the premise of what you guys do. And um, yeah, you'll see if you looked at if you look at my LinkedIn, there's there's a lot on some of these very issues. And, um, you know, I I'm, love I'm, it. I'm here with you and I, I want to be helpful. Well, thank you so much. And and it's thank part you. of the reason we invited you. We we see your your authenticity and your your engagement. And so we just wanted more people in the world to to hear from you. So thanks again. Thank you. This has been great. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed our conversation. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend, or share what you've learned on LinkedIn and tag us. We love hearing from our audience. Visit us at gobeyondbarriers.com, where you can subscribe and find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests.